Hi everyone, welcome back to TTT, the Talking Transport Transformation Podcast, brought to you by TUMI, the Transformative Urban Mobility Initiative. Today's topic is Empowering Women in Mobility. To discuss the issues of gender equality in mobility, we invited Laura Ballesteros, one of our remarkable women in transport. Laura is the former Undersecretary of Mobility in Mexico City, where she implemented the first mobility law which fosters active mobility, road safety and integrated transport systems. Laura currently works as Executive Secretary of Mujeres en Movimiento, a strong Latin American women's network advocating for female leadership and gender-sensitive mobility planning. Laura sat down with my colleague Lina in our virtual open street. We're very glad to now hear about Laura's ideas on how to transform the mobility for women. Over to you both, Lina. Laura, during Toomey's Women Mobilize Women conference, the first conference with 120 female transport experts from around the world, you said the following. Empowerment of women all around the world is one of the biggest challenges, specifically in cities. Now, with regard to the ongoing COVID-19 crisis, how do you feel about your quote today and how have the challenges you meant back then changed? Um, well, it makes more sense than ever. I mean, uh, COVID-19 uh, confronted us in the whole planet with our own uh, diversity, but also with all the problems that we have been facing since forever. And most of, of, of the, the most important ones, uh, such as the ones who are related with inequality, are more present than ever. So women empowerment and an equality for us in these societies is still pending. And we're not just discussing how we can have access to the decision-making process and to the gov and into the governments. Also, we are talking about the most essential things um, as justice or to be alive. I mean, uh, in Latin America, we are facing a very violent phase for women all around our cities, and this should stop. And this new reality have the challenge to build better public spaces to 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 have. Um, secure, the, 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 the safest and the securest cities for, for us. Is there any challenges that you're observing right now, specifically with regards to mobility of women during this corona crisis? Did you experience any particular developments or any long-lasting consequences where you say that this crisis has maybe even hardened uh, the position that women are in in our cities today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when it comes about um, gender equality uh, and It, this quarantine has been very hard for women. Um, we are seeing all over the world how we have to take care uh, about the family, the house, the kids. Um, and also we have to work. And, and, and we can observe a lot of data here because now we have it. And it, it, it happens to occur that that almost 35% of, of women are um, decreasing their participation in their uh, daily um, work hours because they have to take care about the family and the, and the care of, 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 the, 
the only tasks uh, related by uh, about care. So um, this has been very tough. And if we are uh, talking about also about the streets um, and all the new dynamics that the COVID-19 uh, are uh, developing for cities, this also has been a, a challenge for, for, for us because um, most of the women in Latin America uh, are informal workers. And, and women right now uh, are facing one of the biggest challenges of all because most of them right now are uh, in, in, in they, they don't have a job because of the dynamics of the, of the quarantine. So I think that this is a very black face for, for a very obscure face for everybody. And, and I, I am not sure that um, governments and, and, and stakeholders are uh, seeing with a lot of clarity this, this, this issue. So what you're describing right now, this gap in equality between uh, different genders in, in cities, but also, of course, there's other groups, which I know you've worked on, uh, where there's also a gap of equality in terms of movements and accessibility in cities. Um, what, in your opinion, are the top three steps, let's say, that need to be taken against this trend, especially concerning what has even um, become worse during the COVID-19 crisis? Um Well, especially, I think that we have to um, allocate all our efforts on the streets. Uh, I think this is a very big and unique opportunity to change what we have been building since uh, the last decades about uh, great infrastructure and uh, cities um, oriented for for the only for the car uh, mobility uh, uh, and 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 all the the the, the old um, way to 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 city planning. So in this moment, we know, and 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 I am saying with 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 all my heart that in this moment, because this is a very new disease, but in this moment, we know that. Uh, non-motorized mobility is a very important tool to secure people on the streets when it comes about the pandemic and the disease. And if we can uh, invest and allocate the budget, the public budget, on that specific issue, we can change uh For once and all, the face of our cities, the inclusion, the equality, and the democracy of of them, just by changing the streets and giving pedestrians and cyclists and non-motorized um, users the power of the streets. And if we can do that, we are also going to help in the same moment and with a lot of power, women, because as as we may know, women. Uh, in, in Latin America, but also all around the world, uh, we are the most popular users of the non-motorized mobility. And it, it is not just about how we can move on the cities. It is about also the economic power of the houses and of the homes. If one house has just one car, that car will be used by the men. And women have to make their journeys by walk, by public transport systems, or by bike if they are empowered enough. So this is part of the challenge. And, and, and now that we know that we have this data all around the cities, 
Uh, knowing that women are the most um, popular users for the non-motorized mobility and on, of the public transport systems, this is also a huge opportunity to give all of us the opportunity to have a better mobility, a secure one and a safer one. Mm. So I'm sure you're aware that in a lot of cities, also in Latin America, during this crisis, there were a lot of efforts to promote um, non-motorized transport. Because, of course, in the summer, you know, walking and cycling is a good way for you to socially distance and uh, to be able to move in the city. And now you've also pointed out that this is actually one of the prime ways of travel for women, mostly, because they don't tend to have access to the car and the family. So is that a window of opportunity now in terms of, you know, securing what was built in terms of, um, you know, pop-up infrastructure or um, makeshift infrastructure to say we can use that, we can build on that to move away from a car-centered city? And if so, I'd be interested in your opinion on, on how. How do we achieve that? Absolutely. This is the moment. It is now or never. And um, I mean, again, related by, uh, about uh, women journeys, This is a huge opportunity. Um, in most of the countries, uh, not just the ones who have been like improving a lot since a few uh, uh, years ago, non-motorized uh, infrastructure for mobility, also the ones who are uh, like facing a lot of challenges with the motorized mobility, have been working in these um, uh, pandemic months on pop-up infrastructure for non-motorized mobility, especially in Latin America. I mean, we have to, to look at uh, the, the work that Bogota has been developing. I mean, it's amazing, and they are an example for all the, the world about what you can do if you have the political power and the talent to develop um, this amazing infrastructure. And of course, Mexico is uh, also working on this. We Right now, we are living uh, a, a, a new challenge on mobility infrastructure for the city. But in these uh, pandemic months, we have a pop-up uh, cycle lane in Insurgentes, that it is one of our biggest avenues in the whole country, uh, just preceded by the Reforma Avenue, as you may know, it was the first big avenue in Latin America who has a permanent cycling like since seven years ago. Uh, so uh, what we have to do right now is to um, push for the governments and civil society sector and the private sector to wake up and start developing these pop-up uh, infrastructure, side lanes, and also sidewalks and pedestrian-safe infrastructure, always related into the road safety agenda and how we can save lives um, having a very good uh, speed managing uh, management. But the most important thing is how we can be sure that this pop-up infrastructure will be permanent. And this is the trick. I mean, everybody knows, uh, as far as we know in the Latin American experience, that if you can start with these essays, with these pro pilot projects on the pop-up uh, infrastructure for the non-motorized mobility, you can be sure that the next step will be a permanent step. And, 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 and this is the way things uh, can be done in this new phase on the pandemic's era. 
So I, I know that this is something where you know very well what you're talking about, because, of course, you have years of experience in politics. I mean, your experience as a congresswoman and, of course, uh, as undersecretary of planning in the Ministry of Mobility of Mexico City, you've really worked with these stakeholders that you've just mentioned, you know, NGOs, the private sector, everyone who needs to be on board in cities to really make something become a reality. So I'm interested in your tips for our listeners in terms of what is the crucial factor in a city if you want to move away from car-centered to human-centered city? Is there a particular stakeholder group where you say, you know, they have to be on board? Or is it maybe a legislative or regulation issue where you say, this is the first step that needs to be taken? Or maybe it can't be pinned down like I'm just trying to pin it down to make it easier. What is your advice? How can cities make that big step and keep it permanent? Well, this is a very important question because... Uh, If we can answer it, we definitely will be able to change the world. Um, I think it's a mix of a lot of issues and a lot of stakeholders, but mainly it is um, an issue about dialogue and, and, and political and social will of change. Um, and, and most of them... Uh, The most important challenges that we have been facing in our cities, especially the ones who have been oriented for the car infrastructure for, for ages, is how you can talk with politicians, with um, neighbors, with the private sector, but also with uh, activists and NGOs about the changes that, that, that should happen, but not just because they have to happen, because People, um, most of the times, they are not able to understand why. So our biggest challenge here is to have this open dialogue about why. Why and how we can change our cities for better. And if we can be able to convince them that this is because we need um, safer streets, Uh, more inclusive streets, greener streets, because all the life that we can imagine in our cities happens in our streets, that will be, I mean, like a huge and a very big step for everybody to understand the importance of streets in our lives. And and I, in, in, and I am like a dreamer in this. And, and, and every time I hear and, and listen to Janet Sadik-Khan, saying that uh, if you can uh, change just one street, you are changing the world. I truly believe in that. So I think that, yeah, an open and a very big dialogue between all the people who are involved on, in the streets, whether we like it or not, uh, and, and of course, uh, taking care about the diversity of all the stakeholders. And, and that will be like a very important step. And I don't want to miss, of course, the political will. If you have good governors, good politicians and good people, uh, I mean, related into the mobility agenda, champions on the mobility agenda will be, of course, a very an, a good and important step here. So um, when you talk about creating dialogue, that also means, like you said, giving a voice to the different groups that are present in a city. And I mean, it's a major, major focus of your work. You're executive secretary of Women in Mobility or Mujeres en Movimiento. 
And you've been really active in the area of empowering women in this dialogue and making sure that, you know, their needs and their, um, their everyday struggles with mobilities in cities are being heard and also incorporated in mobility planning. So I'm sure there's some of our listeners who've never particularly maybe thought about this issue of how is maybe what women need from a mobility system different from, let's say, what men need from a mobility system. So I'd be interested in you to break it down for us again to really describe to us why is it important to have you know also different gender perspectives on mobility what is different in mobility needs for women than for men absolutely we have to be sure in this new era because i want to believe that we are building a new moment for the world and for our societies and our community uh, taking an, an advantage about this uh, awful pandemia um, and we have to, to, to be sure that everybody is on the table, everybody. And when it comes about women, this is a very tough um, task to do because women historically have been never be able to be on a table taking decisions and being heard and, 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 and having a voice. And, and, and that is the reason why a, a group of colleagues of mine, uh, most of them Latin Americans, but also we have uh, a very dear um, colleague on Spain uh, funding uh, this, this movement, this Mujeres in Movimiento, Women in Motion Network. We are a, a leadership center for women, but, but also, and most important, we are a, we are a, a, a network for collaboration. Uh, for women all around the, the world who are working in um, mobility, but also sustainable uh, sustainability and also, of course, all the green agenda. And this has been a very important challenge for everybody because um, when we started, and, and this was a, a very important issue when we started to, to, to talk about, between each other about about the importance to to launch this network when we started our careers uh, the women who who were uh, who are right now part of this we have Daniela Chacón uh, on Ecuador Paola Tapia in Chile Marta Serrano in, in Spain uh, Lisa Castillo in Costa Rica um, Angelic Angie Angie uh, from, 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 on, on CAF on the CAF uh, Bank um, Sofia Salek uh, on Bolivia, of course, also Verena Fluis from Germany, and a lot of people, especially who the team, the, the amazing team of the Tumi Initiative. When we started these conversations, we realized that everybody was facing the same challenges and everybody was facing the same problems, and our voices were so um, um, pushing back every time we wanted to do something uh, because because it was related uh, by our gender. And in that in that matters, we started to create this network. And what it is important, it is not just how we want and we are uh, also because of that working in, in bringing more voices of women and, and based in, in our diversity on the table and the decision-making processes in the civil society sector, on the politics and governments, on private sector, but also how we can bring all the voices of the users, of women users of the street in this table, because this will be in this new era the most important thing if we want to be inclusive, if we want to change 
the status quo. And we need to know how the, the women, the women who are, uh, a, who is a, a user from the public transport systems, the, all the problems that they are facing, the insecurity, the violence, the, the road safety challenges, and also from other women who, who, who have their mobility by bicycle or by walk, and, or the women who are part of the services of the public transport system and they are drivers. I mean, we need them on board. The moms on, 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 on this, on this uh, network are very important because the mobility for children are one of the most important things that we have to be sure that we're working on. So this will be, and we are sure of it, the way to change things. And we are very proud that right now we have a, a network of more than 200 women uh, all over the region. What I find interesting is that you've mentioned all these amazing women working with you from different parts of the world. And you said that you've all discovered the same difficulties and obstacles in your way. Is that only in the area of, you know, how you're perceived or how you're being met by other people in the conversation once you try to join it? Or is that also related to the actual mobility challenges you face on the ground? So my question aims at our cities everywhere around the world, how different they may be, all sort of overlooking the same issue for women. Yeah, the, the thing is that when it comes about gender inequality, we have a lot of things in common all over the world. And most of the women who are working in the transport sector, the mobility sector, the sustainability sector, they are not related into these uh, deep concepts about feminism and uh, gender equality because for ages our uh, professional background have been related into how we can change cities and their public transport systems. And we have a very technical professional background on that and educational background on that. But when, when you started to, to know about and to read about the, the gender equality theory and, 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 and all the feminisms all around the world and their achievements, you start in that moment to realize that you are more linked into your colleagues than you ever imagined and that you have to face this battle together. And most of the defeats that you suffered and will suffer in your career are related by your about your gender, no, no, not about your talent, and this is a very hard thing to manage alone. So this is why this network for us is so important because we are we we feel the the same things that the other one are feeling, and 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 of course we are also very concerned about the feelings of the others because if if us or, or some of us that are like in this empowerment path are suffering this violence, what you can expect for the women who have uh, less opportunities and, uh, and, and not such a, a good um, moment for, for, for growment or for development that they are facing in their, in, in their diversity more challenges and more violence and more problems. So it is not just about us, it's about the others and, 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 and how we can build um, a community based on our diversity and on our 
challenges. And, and that, that is the reason we want also to work for everybody, especially the emerging leaders, the women who are working a lot on the streets and ch- make, making the changes with their own hands, whether they have the institutional power or not. And we think that this is a very important matter to do. And um, at the end, we have to also keep in mind that the mobility of women on the streets and our cities they have a specific orientation when it comes about the gender. And I mean, they are not neutral by gender. And women have these journeys that uh, related uh, by the, the, the journeys of the men are very different. I mean, uh, when it comes about the, the, the journeys of the men, I mean, the, the journeys of the women uh, are a lot day by day between four or five Per day, and, and 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 men have a different mobility over there. They are all only doing two two journeys by day, uh, and uh, and this and these journeys, as I said, are um, made by walk or public transport systems. So, if you can realize this data, we can agree. That, in you, that if you invest in public transport sector and if you invest in the public space, uh, when it comes about uh, pedestrian and cyclist infrastructure, you are, going, you are going to invest in women because we are more exposed into the streets and the, and the public space because all our journeys are linked to them, to, to it. So that, that is why the importance of what we are working on. I like that you pointed out before that it's really crucial, you know, to get the female perspective in in the form of the user of uh, urban mobility into the picture. Now I would be interested in what would be your advice for any of our female colleagues in the mobility sector, you know, in cities, trying to bring in their perspective, their experience also as a user, but also as a professional working in the field. What would you advise them on, on your years of experience, how they can really enter this dialogue, what will help them, you know, empower them in the way that they can make sure that their voices are also heard in this process? Uh, first of all, that you are not alone. And this is a very important thing to understand because this uh, main way to, to, to see the world uh, have different codes than the ones that we as women have. And women work in a code of collaboration, not a, a code of, of competition. And this is a very important issue to address. We do not compete between ourselves. We have our codes of collaboration, and this is the most important discovery that we will ever could uh, have in our entire professional and personal life. So the first one, you are not alone. The second one is that you need to um, work uh, as a team with your colleagues, creating this kind of networking collaboration uh, initiatives. And third, the most important thing, I guess, is to never, never uh, give up because Uh, the world is designed to tell you that you are not right, that you are not important, that you your voice is useless, or 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 it is not well welcome on the table. And they are a lot of tools 
empowerment tools, methods, scientific methods and concepts that can help you to develop a better way to focus your leadership and your uh, heart, uh, this amazing heart that most women have uh, uh, linked into the evolution and in the transformation of, of the things that are wrong. Um, and we can help you on that. And Women in Motion, uh, this leadership center is working a lot on the leadership of women, uh, given them, gi giving them a lot of tools, technical tools to improve their their leadership because our thesis is that if we can improve the leadership of women who are part of the mobility and transport agenda, we can improve our cities because we know that they are going to make it happen. So, um, and when women plan and implement uh, uh, projects, they, they, they always do it for everybody. So uh, I think that three, these three advices will be like the ones that I would love to someone Yeah, could gave me uh, back in the time. And we'll be very happy to redirect uh, all of our listeners, especially female listeners, but of course not only female listeners, because we both know it takes both sides to win this battle. But we'll be happily redirect them also, uh, you know, to Mujeres en Movimiento, because I think it's an amazing place, you know, to understand and to exchange, to build on that network. Um, I, I would like to continue with the, with you uh, for many more hours, but unfortunately we have this time limit that we set ourselves. But before we end, I want to give you this last question and I'd like to ask you to answer in just one sentence. Just what is the most uh, pertinent thing that comes to your mind when you hear this question? What would you advise other cities to do to empower women in transport? You just have one sentence. To have them on board on the decision-making processes right great thank you so much laura that was wonderful uh i think uh, that was a very inspiring talk we had this week and uh, we're looking forward to feedback from our listeners we'll be happily redirecting them like i said to you so uh, that we can at least contribute to empowering more women and making sure that their perspectives are heard I look forward to talking with you again soon and uh, I hope we'll be hearing a lot more from the work that you do on the ground. Thank you very much and it was my pleasure. Thank you, Laura and Lina, for these truly inspiring insights. We hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Until we release the next one, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast and also to follow us on social media. You will find all the links in the description box. So as always... Thanks for tuning in and hear you next time.